Why, hello there, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here. It's the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. It's your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by our friends at Service Chevrolet Cadillac. They have such, such great services over this. Why they're called service. You need to go check them out over at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey or check them out, servicegm.com. They are the sponsors of this hour. Glad to have them aboard. We need to talk about economics because things are getting a little bit worse. I've mentioned a little bit already this week. Mentioned a Bloomberg story yesterday. I want to go now to CBS News. What is CBS writing that has Democrats really, really worried? Americans need an extra $11,400 today just to afford the basics. That is CBS News' headline. The typical American household must spend an additional $11,434 annually just to maintain the same standard of living they enjoyed in January of 2021, right before inflation soared to 40-year highs, according to a recent analysis of government data. Such figures underscore the financial squeeze many families continue to face even as the rate of U.S. inflation recedes and the economy by many measures remains strong with the jobless rate at a two-decade low. Even so, many Americans say they aren't feeling those gains and this fall more people reported struggling financially than they did prior to the pandemic, according to CBS News polling. Inflation is the main reason Americans express pessimism about the economy despite its bright points, which also includes stronger wage gains in recent years. Now, if you remember me talking about the Bloomberg story yesterday, when you look at the data, you look at the inflation data, you look at the wage growth data, what you see is that wages have grown about 20% since the pandemic. But with inflation... Wages have really only grown about six-tenths of 1%. People aren't feeling everything is getting more expensive and wages aren't growing to keep up with it. And for the longest time, reporters and Democrats and pundits and a bunch of y'all that send comments into the KPL News app, some of y'all that send me emails, some of y'all that bug me on Twitter, yeah, you're not bugging me on Twitter, send me all the messages you'd like, but those of you who have been reaching out to me or Democratic pundits who have been talking about it and the reporters in the media who have been talking about it, they've all been saying the same thing. We don't understand why people are so upset. The economy is doing great. Why are people so pessimistic? And then now you have the Bloomberg story. Now you have the CBS story. The reporters, when they've gone out to interview people for the past two years, Everybody said the same thing. We are worried about the economy. Everything is more expensive. We can't afford things like we used to. And the media ignored it. The media did. They, they're like, well, you're just stupid because everything's going great. Inflation's down. I don't know why you're so worried. That, that was the actual reporters and Democrats' uh, reaction to it. Paul Krugman, the idiot economist, has been shouting from the rooftops to anybody who will hear him that everything is fine and this is just right-wing misinformation. Well, You can't call CBS, you can't call Bloomberg right-wing outlets. Now, can you? So then you have this, and this is at The Messenger. Biden, faced with economic pessimism, turns to economic populism. As Bidenomics fails to catch on with voters, the president is turning to a more populist message focused on price gouging and business greed. President Joe Biden is reemphasizing his focus on an economic populism 
with a strategy that browbeats big business for not bringing down prices in the face of slowing inflation, an apparent response to voters expressing pessimism about the state of the American economy. So it's not Joe Biden's fault that the economy is terrible and that Americans certainly feel no confidence in the economy or in him in general. It's big business's fault. It's the fault of of businesses that prices have not gone down. That's that's the Biden administration's line on this. Speaking at a White House event on rebuilding the supply chain this week, Biden struck an aggressive uh, tone toward businesses that have kept prices high. Let me be clear. To any corporation that has not brought down, has not brought their prices back down, even as inflation has come down, even supply chains have been rebuilt. It's time to stop the price gouging, Biden said in a speech where he admitted that, quote, prices are still too high for many things and that, quote, times are still too tough for too many families. We've made progress, he added, but we have work to do. That appears to be the new messaging strategy from the Biden administration. Again, deflect, deflect, deflect. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. But it is. It is his fault. He shoved a ton more money into the economy. He passed a so-called Inflation Reduction Act that did nothing for inflation. All of these things are changing. All of these things are happening. All of these economic pieces of the puzzle keep moving around, keep shuffling around. And no matter what, Biden is always blaming somebody else. And whether or not you yourself believe that Joe Biden is at fault, there's something you need to know about politics. The party in power takes the blame. You can't say this is all Republicans' fault. They barely control the House. And if you read the stories coming out of the House, we're not even sure they control that. The party in power had the opportunity. The party in power for the first two years of Biden's term had the House of Representatives. They had the Senate. They had the White House. And they weren't worried about it. They just, this is transitory. This is all going to go down. Nothing to worry about. It never did. It never did go down. So that brings me to a third story that may seem at first like it's not related. But trust me, when it comes to our economic power, our buying power, it does have a lot to do with us. A new front has opened in the intensifying U.S.-China tech war. This time, it's over the metals needed to power electric vehicles and make the computer chips and electronics that fuel the U.S. economy. And Beijing has made clear its restrictions on critical minerals are payback for Washington's efforts to curtail Chinese access to advanced American semiconductors. This is just the beginning, said Wei Zhongguo, a former vice commerce minister. China has many means and types of sanctions it can use. If restrictions on our high-tech industry continue to escalate, China's countermeasures will also escalate, he warned. China is now doing just that. From Friday, new restrictions on another key mineral, graphite, a soft form of carbon used in almost all electric car batteries, as well as semiconductors and nuclear reactors, will come into effect. The rules will require exporters of high-grade graphite to apply for approval, and were announced just three days after Washington released new controls to limit artificial intelligence chips heading to China.
there's a reason this is a bigger problem than it should be. And it goes right back to environmentalism. There is the potential for the U.S. to drill for, look for, explore for the necessary minerals for semiconductors and other things. But the Greenies work tirelessly to prevent any sort of drilling and mining on U.S. soil. Constantly. As a result, just like with oil production in the U.S., we're not able to produce everything that we need to be as independent as possible from folks who are frankly hostile to us like China. So let's say that China tightens its restrictions on some of these minerals, some of these necessary materials that we need for our microchips, for our car batteries, electric or otherwise, for our semiconductors, everything like that. What happens then? Once again, supply goes down, prices go up. Should we have restrictions on China? Absolutely. Should we allow them to continue to steal technology? Absolutely. Should we allow them to get access to artificial intelligence developed by American industry? Absolutely. There's not really much of anything that China does that hasn't been stolen from somebody else, a technology stolen from somebody else or some other country. But the fact of the matter is that these these restrictions on China would be a lot more effective if we also weren't reliant on them for things that we really need in our society. And in order to break that reliance, we have to stop listening to the crazy greenies and start being able to drill and mine and do other things, explore for these other minerals in other places. And we can't do that because the greenies want to put a stop to it all. And so even as Biden goes out there and says it's all big business's fault, they are price gouging. They're not bringing this uh, prices down, even though inflation now is even as he goes out there and, and talks all this nonsense. And he clearly has no idea what the hell he's talking about. Every policy decision he makes seems to make things worse. Every single one. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have more of your news of the day, plus your calls, your comments on the KPL app chat. Go download the KPL news app if you don't have it already. That way you can chat with me here on the show. It's your chance to not only take in the news, but be part of and interact with the news. We'll be back. But first, we do have our pest of the day. And our pest of the day is going to be Deadspin writer Karen Phillips, who focused on a photo of a of a young Kansas City Chiefs fan that looked at the fan from the side, saw that his face was painted black. And so he accused the kid of taking part in blackface and accused football fans of being and all the uh, racism and all this other stuff. And then other people started pointing out that the other half of his face was painted red. And so he said, well, I would argue that's worse. Here's what you need to know about that young lad. That young lad is actually Native American. His grandfather is part of a tribal government. He's not wearing blackface. He's wearing a headdress. His face is painted red. He's not racist against Native Americans. He is one. And yet, this social justice, and Deadspin's notorious for this kind of thing, 
wrote some idiotic article talking about the racism inherent in this little boy and society and sports and everything like that, only to be shamed into deleting all of his comments online about it because he is objectively terrible. And that is what makes Karen Phillips of Deadspin your pest of the day, brought to you by Jane Jake Exterminating, Louisiana's largest independently owned pest control company. You can find them online at jjext.com. Y'all, the choice of bumper music is intentional because there are heroes among us. Red Lobster's parent company reported an $11.3 million operating loss last quarter. Do you know why? If you're down in Delcom listening, this may or may not affect you. It was due, quote, in part to customers taking advantage of its ultimate endless shrimp deal, where $20, now $25, bought you as much shrimp as you could stomach in one sitting. Red Lobster had an ultimate endless shrimp deal, and the company says it cost them, put, they were at an $11.3 million operating loss last quarter because of it. I don't know if that's entirely accurate or if they're just looking for something to blame, but there are heroes out there who ate so much shrimp that it sent Red Lobster into a, a, an operating loss. That is incredible. I hope that Red Lobster gets at least some of its shrimp from our friends down in Delcom. It's very important that we support local business. Anyway, goodness. $11.3 million in operating loss last quarter because you you people ate too many shrimp at Red Lobster. First of all, if you're going to Red Lobster around here, you're foolish because there's way better local local stuff. Nothing against Red Lobster. I just like the good local restaurants rather than the, the big chains. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll be back in just a moment to continue with the show. More of your news of the day, of course. Uh, shout out to Billy and Church Point and the others who are wanting to comment. You can comment on the KPL News app. Do that during the break. All right. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It is your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Acadiana's number one Chevy dealer nine years in a row. Stop by and check out their huge selection today at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey or Check them out online, servicegm.com. They've got new and used cars right there on the lot, new inventory every day. They've got parts and service department, body shop, collision center, fine line auto, uh, custom auto. They've got the wash, everything you could possibly need to get your automotive needs met. Highly recommend you go check out our friends at Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Their family serving your family for the last 50 years. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet over on Ambassador Caffrey. I want to thank them for being our sponsors for this 5 o'clock news cruise, your 5 o'clock drive home, your chance to not only listen to some news and commentary, but also to take part in it. If you want to call in, 232-1542, or send a message to the KPL app chat. Love to visit with you guys there, like Billy and Church Point, uh, who mentioned when I was talking about the economy, uh, you can't even get a $5 foot long at Subway anymore. It costs 11 bucks when you put everything together. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, I want to move on to this interesting story from Real Clear Politics, written by Sean Trendy, who is a fabulous uh, analyst when it comes 
to uh, looking at polls, poll numbers, the trends, everything like that. Real Clear Politics is where I go, not just when I want to see the latest polls that are out, but when I want to see the trend lines. They do a very good job of incorporating every poll into the trend line so you can kind of see the direction the voters are going in. Even if you don't believe in polls, the trend lines tend to be more or less accurate. And you can kind of see the direction the electorate is is moving in. And I think that's something that's that's very important that gets lost when we talk about individual polls, because individual polls can be wrong and have been wrong. But he writes this piece today, and I just want to read the headline to you. Not only can Trump win, right now he's the favorite to win. And this has Democrats freaking out. You know, Democrats say that Donald Trump is the greatest threat to democracy. We do not have it. We, we, we will lose ourselves as a country if Donald Trump and his fascist ways get into the White House once again. They are they tearing their hair out over this. And yet, and yet, despite all of the negatives and all the reporting and everything like that, Donald Trump is in the lead in a lot of places. Here's what Sean Trinity writes. There's a strange disjunction in the discourse about the 2024 elections. On the one hand, when presented with the proposition, quote, Trump can win, people will nod their heads sagely and say something along the lines of, of course he can, only a fool would believe to the contrary. At the same time, whenever polling emerges showing that Donald Trump is performing well in the 2024 matchups, a deluge of panicked articles, tweets, Social media posts and the like emerge, reassuring readers that polls aren't predictive and providing a variety of reasons that things will improve for President Biden. As the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. Elections analysts seem to know that they are obliged to mouth the words that Trump can win, but deep down they don't believe them. The notion that Biden is the favorite is deeply internalized, likely for a variety of reasons. So let us set the record straight. Trump can win, not in a maybe if all the stars align and the Russian and the Russia changes the vote totals, even somehow in states like Michigan that use hand-marked paper ballots kind of way, just flat out, Trump can win. As of this writing, Trump leads Biden by 2.6 percentage points nationally in the real clear politics average. This is Trump's largest lead in the RCP average to date, not for 2024, mind you, ever. In 2016, Trump led Hillary Clinton for all of five days in the national RCP average. Each of those days in the, in the immediate aftermath of the Republican convention, he led in 29 polls taken over the course of the entire campaign, 10 of which are recorded in the RCP averages as Los Angeles Times USC tracking polls. In 2020, Trump never led Biden in the national RCP average. He briefly crossed within four points in early of January 2020, but that is it. He led in five polls all cycle. So counting the L.A. Times trackers a single poll, Trump led in a total of 24 national polls. This cycle, he's led in as, in, in as many as or in as many since mid-November. He's led more polls in the past three weeks than he did against Biden in all of 2019-2020. You may be thinking that we don't elect our president via the popular vote, but rather do so through the Electoral College. This is, of course, true. It also makes Trump's current position in the polls all the more striking. After all, Trump has consistently outperformed his polling, and his Electoral College positioning has consistently been stronger than his national positioning. That doesn't mean that this will necessarily hold in 2024, and at some point the GOP's worsening position in the suburbs will reverse the Electoral College dynamic that has plagued Democrats for the past few cycles. 
But we can look at state-level polling as well. In 2020, Trump somewhat infamously never led a poll in Wisconsin. He was never within more than three points of Clinton there. He led in a single poll in Michigan and a single poll in Pennsylvania. His lead in North Carolina never exceeded two points in the RCP averages, while in Florida, his largest lead was 1.2 points. The 2020 comparison is even more striking. Biden, uh, Trump led Biden in Florida in the RCP averages briefly in October and March of that year. In Arizona, it was the same story. North Carolina was a little better for Trump as he led the RCP averages perhaps a quarter of the time. In Ohio, Trump led in only six polls all cycle. He led in five polls in Pennsylvania. In Michigan, it was five polls. And in Wisconsin, it was four. What does the state polling show today? Trump leads the RCP average in Michigan for the first time ever. Pennsylvania, he leads for the first time ever and has led in most polls. He narrowly trails Biden in Wisconsin, but has already led in as many polls as he led in the state in 2016 and 2020 combined. His 0.7% deficit compares to his previous best showing in the state, a 3.5% deficit in August of 2020. In Florida, Trump has led or tied in every poll, including some double-digit leads. Arizona, he leads by five points. Georgia, he leads by six. Ohio, polling is sparse, but he leads by ten. Trump outperforms polling. Trump himself outperforms polling. He always has. And Democrats deep down know this. My suspicion is and has always been that there's a lot of folks out there who don't want to admit they voted for Trump or don't admit they don't want to admit they support Trump. And so they won't admit it to a pollster. But when they go to the polls, they'll vote for Trump. I'm pretty sure that's been the case. Now, the thing is, Trump has had some setbacks. Trump is currently facing a lot of legal issues. Trump has lost to Biden before. His record with endorsing candidates has been not great in the past couple of election cycles. But if the election were held today, Donald Trump's the winner, not just of the Republican primary, but he's the winner of the presidential race, if the race were held today. But we are a little over 11 months out. We're at the end of November, so about 11 months out from the 2024 election. The first primaries are coming up. The caucus, the first caucus, the Iowa caucus is coming up in 45 days. You've got New Hampshire, you've got South Carolina, you've got a whole host of states. There is some opposition to Donald Trump within the Republican Party, but it hasn't coalesced enough. Donald Trump is the favorite to win the primary. He's also the favorite to win the presidential race. And again, and I cannot stress this to you enough, Donald Trump is Joe Biden's best case scenario. Joe Biden wants to run against Donald Trump. Joe Biden believes that he can beat Donald Trump. Joe Biden has a visceral hatred of Donald Trump that few can match. 
and Biden really wants to run against Donald Trump. The Biden team, the Democrats, want Biden to run against Trump. But there's a problem. What if Trump does get found guilty? What if all of a sudden the legal stuff does have have an impact? What if all of a sudden he does run out of money because he's paying all these legal fees and he can't afford to campaign? What if somebody else becomes the nominee for the Republican Party? What if it is Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or, God forbid, Chris Christie? Chris Christie's not going to get there. That's a joke. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, no. What if it is Nikki Haley or, or Ron DeSantis? What if one of them pulls away with it? Then the Democrats' hopes are lost. Because as much as Donald Trump is actually beating Joe Biden in the polling right now, the other candidates are on average doing better against Joe Biden than Donald Trump does. If Donald Trump is a threat to democracy and you're looking at the polling Democrats, you should see what a lot of other people see. The best way for the Democrats to keep the White House is to have a different Democrat running. In all likelihood, if you look at the polling and you find out which party gives up its front runner first, is probably the party that's going to win. But right now, Donald Trump wins. Donald Trump beats Joe Biden if it's the two front runners going up against each other. And that's freaking the Democrats out. But then, who do you replace him with? A lot of folks say Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom's a terrible idea. The, the American voters will reject Gavin Newsom. The American voters don't want to live in California. That's why a lot of them move the hell out of California. It won't be Gavin Newsom. Michelle Obama hated being in the White House, was furious at Obama for running for president and winning. She doesn't want to be there. They might try to pull her in, but she's going to say no. Is it Gretchen Whitmer? Is it Kamala Harris? What do you do with Kamala Harris if Joe Biden decides not to run? Kamala Harris is, an, is as unpopular as he is. What's the option for the Democrats? In all likelihood, the Democrats can win if they find somebody who's not Joe Biden. The Democrats could very well retain the White House if they pick somebody who is not Joe Biden. But who are they going to pick? They have no clue. They don't have a bench right now at that level. As far as the Republicans go, the guy under indictment for over 100 charges is beating the incumbent in all the pollings, and he famously overperforms the polls. Think about that. We'll take a break. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I looked at Twitter at the wrong time. Somebody at a family dollar somewhere in this fantastic nation of ours printed a sign and posted it in their diaper section. It said, family dollar did not get you pregnant. Don't steal our pampers. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I know that crime is a big problem. Uh, that is a hilarious way to share your problem and tell and threaten people to not 
continue causing you problems. So speaking of crime, did have some news coming today uh, from Jeff Landry. Uh, Landry is uh, naming his pick or has named his pick uh, for state police commander, as well as picking a Lafayette native to lead the National Guard. Tracy wrote this up. This is at KPL 965. If you uh, dot com, if you want to go and check it out, Louisiana Governor elect Jeff Landry announced today the appointment of a new lieutenant uh, of a new state police superintendent who will take command at the beginning of the year. Landry also chose a Lafayette native to lead the state's National Guard. Major Robert P. Hodges will serve as the 27th Louisiana State Police uh, Police Superintendent and Deputy Secretary of Public Safety Services. Hodges currently holds the position of Region Two Patrol Major. His appointment to LSP superintendent will be effective January 8th, 2024. He's a 28-year veteran with the Louisiana State Police. This is part of a larger initiative by Landry. Again, he ran very much on the crime situation. And in particular, he's focusing on New Orleans. Now, New Orleans Mayor LaToya Cantrell kind of caused a stir recently. I believe she was seen uh, taking a picture looking pretty chummy with Jeff Landry. But she knows that her reputation could kind of survive if the governor does actually take over and work on, you know, supplementing law enforcement with Louisiana State Police in New Orleans and take some of the pressure off of her. And that seems to be kind of what she's looking for. So she's not really complaining about everything that Jeff Landry might be doing. So that's interesting. But Jeff Landry making his moves to kind of secure uh, his law enforcement uh, agenda, his law and order agenda in his coming administration. You guys, I want to go ahead and just say goodbye because I've got to go. It's 6 o'clock or it's almost there, and I'm tired. It's been a long day. I know it's been a long day for y'all. 5 o'clock news cruise is over. Hopefully you're home by now or you're close to it. I'm about to be on my way. Until I speak to you again, though, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or email Joe at RedState.com. You can also find me on Substack, uh, the Joe Cunningham Show on Substack. You go check that out. You'll find the podcast version of the show. If you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, go ahead and leave a rating and a review as well. That helps the show grow, and I really appreciate it if you if you all help that happen. Tune in tomorrow, 23 hours from now. The Joe Cunningham Show returns here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.